Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the house. Very special time. Um, I had an idea come to me. Actually, it didn't come to me. I planned this message, and then I realized that there was somebody very special I wanted to talk about today um, who's literally known as a mother of the faith, the mother of evangelism, some people call her. Um, has, has anyone here ever heard the name Fotini? No, that's good. Fotini's who we're talking about today. This, this wonderful woman named Fotini. And, and there's a lot written about her. There's a lot that's spoken about her as being an apostle. You mean a girl? Yes, I do. Yes, she, she was widely, widely known by millions to be an apostle since the days of the early church. Um, she's known as the first um, New Testament evangelist since this new covenant to ever actually evangelize an entire city, which is pretty impressive, this Fotini. And, um, and not the first woman, female evangelist, the first one. You know what I mean? Some people think, well, what about old Stephen? You know what I mean? It's like, no, nah, she beat Stephen to the punch, Fotini did. And so there's, there's so many legends about her and, and, and stories and, that have been written and passed down through the generations about this woman even that she stepped to the most cruel, brutal emperor of Rome named Nero, who used, to, who used to torture, brutally kill Christians, that she actually found her way to him so that she could front the guy because she wanted to convert him. You know. And it's, the stories are that, that he, he beat and tortured and imprisoned all those who came with her. But with her and some of the females that came with her, he had his daughter and many of the maidens of, of Rome, so to speak, come after her in order to actually speak to her and convince her to actually deny Jesus being God, Jesus being the Christ, which didn't happen. And as the stories go, she converted Nero's daughter because she was so um, incredibly potent with this gospel, Fotini. So to skip ahead to tell you what I'm going to tell you, the points of the message about Fotini's lesson, the lessons she learned from Jesus. Here's, here's, here's a, a few things about that word apostle. I don't throw it around. And, and it's, um, there's a lot of people that do throw it around these days. Apostolic, prophecy, prophetic, all these, these hype terms. But apostle, at least according to the scripture, is somebody who's actually seen the Lord and been taught by him. You know, it's actually somebody who's actually witnessed the resurrection. They've actually seen him in his resurrected form. Now, signs and wonders follow him. We see that by the scriptures. We see, we things, we see things like uh, they establish and plant, thing, plant churches. They are actually sent. Apostolos, it literally just means to be sent somewhere by the Lord, who's actually trained and commissioned somebody to actually establish something and, and to manifest the kingdom of God. And, and um there's not a story that I know of her seeing him as resurrected, but I would imagine that she had. Fotini had. But um, it's, a, it's a big title. It's not something we use at our church. We don't kick prophet and apostle. We don't kick those type of things around the way they do in charismatic circles. But, um, but Fotini's lessons, if I skip forward, like I was saying, to, to, to the point of some of what we're going to say, is she was taught personally by the Lord the value, the immense value of being present and being in the moment. And how that, being present and being in the moment, can result in explosions of heaven being released in the world. 
That's one of her life lessons. Um, he also was teaching her that there are many people who are going about searching for fulfillment constantly in this life, even Christians. They're looking for their needs to be met. But what he was teaching her was that our needs are actually met in him in this life. And once you truly know him, you find fulfillment and you, and you continually receive more and more abundantly by seeking to release into others, not seeking to be filled by others. Valuable lessons for Tina and, 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 and her life speaks volumes to this very day. And, uh, you know, her record kind of has, she has a pretty good record and it's in the Bible. So, but I'll tell you something, a little secret about the Hoff. Our goal is um, to raise people who know the Lord in personal relationship themselves. And um, because of this, they're effective in this walk of life. Because one of the contrasts you'll see, even that's painted in the story of Fatini's life and in the story today, is that someone who knows the Lord is actually whole. That's whole with a W, not whole with an H. You know, whole, you know. Either that or they're becoming whole because they're walking with him and, and, and growing and receiving the healing and stuff of their heart that, you know, that he's walking them out of. And because they are whole, they're, they're carriers of his presence in his kingdom and they have so much to give. Everywhere they go, they make impacts. This is our goal for our church and for the people of our church. It's really just Christianity. And it's in contrast to some to people who have actually have holes. Now that's the H, H holes, in their heart, walking wounded, you know. And they're constantly looking for somebody to fill them up, to fill those needs, you know. Which is not a bad place to be, but it's a terrible place to live and to stay. And in Christianity, the healing that comes is not just like, oh, I saw somebody's leg grow out, right? Not against those things. Healing is real. But it starts in the heart by knowing our good Father and the wholeness that He has for us. And we carry that. And rivers of, of living water flow from us. Yeah, that's what He told Fatini. So let's, re let's read her story, okay? Let's read her story on Mother's Day. And um, it's in John 4, by the way. We call her the woman of the well. Around, the, around these parts, right? Yeah. But Fotini is the name that's been given to her. She's a wonderful chick, you know. You'll see that. that uh, she didn't have the best reputation. But listen to this. John 4, verse 5, and we'll read through the story. I might cliff notes slight just a little bit because you can read this later on. And we'll seek to just sit back and watch this like it's a movie. I'm playing before our eyes. We'll tell the story and just kind of picture what's going on. And then maybe we'll think of some of the points that he was teaching this Fatini, the, the woman at the well, okay? Verse 5, Jesus came to a city of Samaria near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph where Jason, uh, Jacob's well was. Now the Samaritans and the Jews had, had very different, different views of God very differing theological beliefs. And um, a lot of the Jews um, basically didn't look very kindly on Samaritan people. They didn't like them all that much and kind of looked at them as dogs. So 
Now, Jacob's well was there. It was about the sixth hour. Jesus was wearied from his journey, and he sat by the well. A woman of Samaria, happy Mother's Day, Potini, a, a, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. By the way, when somebody speaks in the third person, that's strange to me. You know what I mean? So here's Jesus talking in the third person. Just things to make note of. A defensive lady. All he did was ask her for a drink. And the response he gets is she's already prerequisited her rejection by him. Projected it onto him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, hey, you don't... Like, I know, I know what you think I am. Like, how are you even asking me? I know what you think I am. I know how you think I am. You know, she's like instantly, and I know you've rejected me. And it's just like, uh, just ask for a drink. But the response is, is actually third person. It's like a third person, an invisible man walks onto the scene and says, hey, lady, if you knew who he was, who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink. You should have asked him for a drink, lady. He would have given you water that lasts forever. Strange story, right? Then the woman said to him, after he speaks in the third person, she didn't say, why are you talking to me so strangely? She said, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? So boom, she pulls out the She pulls out the religious commentaries, you know, the concordance, and starts a religious debate, identifying him as a Jew as separate from her, and actually uses that to project something else on him, separation. Jesus' answer was not to debate her theologically, but he said, hey, lady. He didn't say, hey, lady. He said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. She said, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Like, give me this, give me this, this supernatural tap water that I don't actually have to come here, be thirsty again, or have to come constantly and draw to this well. And he says, and he says to her this, this is random. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus answered her and he said, You have well said I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. It's like, wow. Just went straight into the lady's backstory. So here she is most likely walking around carrying shame. She's from this city in Samaria. You know what I mean? Everybody knows her. Everybody knows her history. 
Everybody knows the situation that she has been in several times and is still in. And yet, he actually comes and starts up a conversation with her. And I've heard this taught through the years several times. I've actually heard this taught of the power of a word of knowledge. Jesus tells somebody and you can tell somebody something they do not know and it will surprise them so much that they will be converted. And um, that works on a very, very, maybe like elementary basis. It's just not what's going on here. It is a word of knowledge, but there's something so much more profound that's going on. Go call your husband and come here. Well, I don't really have a husband. You're right. The guy you're living with is not your husband, and you've had five husbands before him. Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place that one ought to worship. And he says this to her. Finally, he gets really real with her. So he actually says something to where she recognized that he's obviously from God, but she still pushes her theological views of God out onto him. Uh, this is what I believe, though about Jewish people and God, but man, you're obviously the real deal. It's kind of like the Mormon guy I talked to in that message a couple weeks ago. It was like, oh, wait a second, how am I going to work, how am I going to work this out? You're, you're accurate, but, but there's no way that we could agree because we're on different sides of the tracks. And he hasn't said a single thing about God or what he believes. This is just the, the, the projection that she carries to keep herself separate. Yeah. He answers her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So he calls God Dad. She, he's introducing this lady to Dad. It's really Dad introducing himself to say, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. This is the first recording we have of Jesus literally forecasting the reality of the new covenant to this lady, to somebody. And it's not a Jewish person. You know what I mean? There's somebody on the other side of the tracks that, that's really improper for Him to be speaking with. You know, And it's somebody whose life is apparently in some sort of a mess. You know? And... Um, not only that, she, she's, God is introducing himself to his, to his daughter, if you can see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And all of the religious barriers that are there that we feel God holds against us, he's not holding any of them against her. He's actually chosen her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's chosen Fotini. And here he is actually sitting down there with her, and all that's coming out, and this is what happens in our walk with the Lord, we, when we choose to walk with Him and not let go, even when we do not understand, the misconceptions and the vomit of our human minds that has projected Him, and a lot of times because that's how He's been portrayed in our life, as being something contrary than He truly is. There's a seed of eternity in every single person. That's why so many people are mad at God and the church and religion and all these different things. Because on the inside, they know their Father is good and He loves them. It's very, very small seed. It's the eternal seed. Of Ecclesiastes 3, but it's in everybody, and it, but, but that seed is so in such contrast to the projection of what God that has been, been spewed over the world. So people think they're mad against God, or they're, you know, they're against, but it, and really it's just like they're refusing to accept the, the false image that's been portrayed to him because they know that there's something more. 
And as she's walking with him or sitting with him in a very real way, God is face to face with this girl. The Holy of Holies has, has pulled itself into a woman who's living with a man the sixth time around. You know what I'm saying? The Holy of Holies, the high priest, like she's on the inside of the most holy place in the universe because it's him. The one who's the Ark of the Covenant. You know what I mean? The Spirit of God is speaking. That's why it's three persons there. It was a third person. If you knew him who was sitting here, you would have given him. You know what I'm saying? You see the person of God that's, that's engulfing Fatini's life. This rejected woman who has a terrible reputation, who has all these mis... mis Misskewed? Is that, is that a way to put it? Uh, misconceptions about who, thinks, about who God is. And he's there to squash those things. And by squashing those things, they're actually, they're actually coming out of her like on a rapid mode. But you're supposed to be this. Oh, but you think I'm like this. Oh, but you, th you know what I'm saying? Oh, I know what you think about me. Imagine that coming to a restaurant and the waiter just looks at you and be like, oh yeah, I, I know what y'all are thinking about me. Just like, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a sign of a real wounded person. I know you're judging me, man. It's like, oh, nice to meet you. You know what I mean? But she, she's wearing this on her sleeve, but it's because light is coming into darkness and it's, and it's causing that stuff to, to flee. And it's coming out of his vessel, out of his little girl, Fatini. The greatest evangelist, the apostolic Fatini. We're going to really church it up if you guys want. But it's like, you know, she, he's got these things that are coming out of her that are all the misconceptions. And he's very patient and sitting with her to actually address them. Many times we have a skewed vision of God. People have a misconception of who God is. And because of that, the fruit of their life is a mess. It's like, man, lady, you, you seem to really know a lot about God and the way things should be. But how's that working out in life, in the practical world? <laughs> you know what I mean? How's theological knowledge and the debates and all the amount we study and all of our degrees, how does that work in the real world does it bear fruit in our life, in our family's life, and in the people that we encounter? Or do they run away from us because they, they feel slimed by us every time we're around because we're religious and unsafe? You know, just a rhetorical question. Nobody in the church, just as for the podcast, people listen to podcasts can answer those questions. You guys might need to answer those, you know? No. Uh, but, you know, it's like here he is having this talk with his girl, his little girl, who does not know who he is. But the hour is coming and now is. It won't be about geographic location, the God of Israel, the Old Testament, you know, I mean, the Tower of Babel, Genesis 12, you know, Abraham chosen, chosen the nation of Israel. It's like I'm reclaiming the entire world. The hour is coming and now is where the, where the true worshipers will worship him. This isn't like, oh, we just worship and we get all free and we act crazy, you know what I'm saying? Which I like, act crazy as much as you want. That's fine, that's good. But what I'm saying is like, worshiping in spirit and in truth is not about being, oh, I'm free. And you're not. It's like, in the spirit, we recognize him not by the flesh, but by the spirit. We worship him with our spirit, with our entire heart, soul, and mind. And in truth. Spirit and truth is like accuracy. Truth, is mean like, truth means like, we accurately worship him we actually know who we worship we're actually following him and it's bearing fruit in our lives and the and the the mandate be fruitful multiply and subdue the earth that that's that's taken back up again because of the second hour it's a wonderful thing it's it's really really beautiful how he's saying these things the woman said to him i know that the messiah is coming and he's called the christ when he comes he will tell us all these things so you see the things that are popping out of this lady, all of her knowledge and all of her stuff that's being dismantled. The very last one was, I know that the Messiah is coming, the, anointed, the one who's anointed of God, the King, 
is coming. And he'll tell us all things. You know. So she starts to catch on. And she's fishing out. You know. Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, who do you say that I am? And Peter's like, you're the Christ. That's later from this. You know what I mean? So people aren't even, you know what I mean? People aren't fully even hip to this. And this lady's the first one. She's catching on to this. Potini says this. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. And what does he say? I who speak to you am he. I am who I am. I am I am. That's how it's really written. I am I am. So you got the embodiment, the shell, the, the, the physical embodiment of Yahweh himself sitting there and talking. And everything that he's dismantling off of this woman, off of her identity, off of, off of the, the slime, off of the shame, off of all the rejection that she was carrying. And, you know, you'll look back and scholars will debate, you know, maybe she was a loose woman and she was off there, you know, and five husbands and all this. And some will say maybe she was rejected. Maybe some of her husbands died. Maybe, you know, there's all kinds of things. The, the, the fact of the matter is she was living with one at the very end. And, and her life was a mess. She was obviously full of shame. She, she had a really twisted theological view of God. And God came in to pop that bubble. And it wasn't just a word of knowledge. It was just like, oh, you know, how is it that you, a Jew and a Samaritan, like you, you look down on us. You think that we're dogs. You don't think that we're worthwhile. You don't think there's any value to us. You, you know, blah, blah, blah. How are you even asking me? And then we have all these theological debates. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Well, just go call your husband. I don't have... Hey, that's true. You actually have five. And we think like, oh, yeah, there he is pointing out the sin. You got to point out the sin in somebody's life. So it'll come to you, brother, man. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. It's like, hey, listen, he's saying like my darling daughter. I'm here, you know. It's not that you're Samaritan or that you've been married. Like, I actually, not only, not only do I know that you're Samaritan, I'm a Jew. I actually know that you've been married five times and that you're living with a man and that you're in sin. Like, I know all those things, and here I am with you. You know what I mean? He's, he's popping this, this religious mindset. Like, yeah, I'm here in the midst of everything that you're in, and I'm still right here. You know what I mean? And I'm here for you, and I have something that will fulfill you. Only that, a need that you've been seeking to be met that only I can meet. And when I've met this, when you find it in me, there will be a source on the inside of you that will actually find others and connect them to me. Rivers of water will flow from your innermost being from the water that I will give you. You, know, you won't be coming here to dwell to get your needs met. You'll be living to get your needs met. Like, understand and recognize that I'm here. Not only am I not talking to a Samaritan, I actually know about your husband. I know about everything, and yet I picked you anyways. So we deal with a religious mindset coming to God with our issues sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Thinking like, oh, he's going to reject me. It's like, you know what I mean? He's like, hey, like, I actually know all the stuff you're not even telling me, and I'm still not doing that to you. So now what do you think about God? It's time for a realignment. It's time for an adjustment. I know that Messiah's coming. Yeah, I'm, I, that's me. I am, I am. <laughs> what a what a quote, man. At this point, his disciples came, and I love verse 27, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. <laughs> Yet no one said, why do you, like, what do you seek? Or like, why are you talking with her? Like, 
Every, they come back with all the food, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's, what's he doing? And that's one of those, you have those friends, you can't take him anywhere. They're like, what is he doing? Doesn't he know? That's not cool. That doesn't look right. We're trying to start a ministry. Come on, man. It says, the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city. So she, she actually stopped what she was doing. <laughs> and, the, you know, like, she's telling him, you don't got no pot to draw the water out from a deep, deep well. You know? Then she leaves hers behind. She's like, well, I don't need that anymore anyways. And she goes into the city and says, come, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then all the people went out of the city and came to him. This is brilliant because here's a lady who everybody knows her life and her stuff. And she, she, he knows everything I've ever done. And her message, if you can even see that, like, it's like, no, man, he had an awesome word of knowledge gift. And he told me all these accurate things. That's cool. Let's see if he can play that trick on you guys. You know what I mean? That's how we think. Let's have a big prophetic conference. You know what I mean? But, but what, what's going on there is like, yo, like, like even me, like he knows everything about me. And he sat with me and he taught me. Did you know this is the longest conversation Jesus ever had with somebody in the Bible? This girl? Yeah. Patini. So, you know, it's like, it's like, hey, everybody, like her life became, you know, it was like, you know, you can see some people, what they deal with, they're wearing it on them, their sleeves. But the wholeness of New Covenant Christianity, she recognized who he was. He talked to me despite being a, he taught me, he reframed my mind like, wait a second, he even knew all the bad things about me before he even started. I didn't have to tell him that, he knew that. And he was still, just all this stuff is working on her. And so her life becomes in her circles and in her city, all this reputation, all the stuff people know. He knew all that stuff. You know what I mean? This is a Jew that he's the Messiah. I think he's the Messiah. And he doesn't reject our people. He doesn't even reject me, y'all. And you guys know, kind of checkered history. Some splotches on that record. So the disciples come back to him <laughs> during this time. They're, they're having their lunch break. And they're like, she's off running telling everybody. They're like, hey, did somebody, did anybody bring you anything to eat? Like, you know, here, have some food. He says, I've got food you guys don't know about. Like, well, how do you have food? Did somebody bring it out here? He's like, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Here's another thing. His disciples were going off into the city seeking for food to sustain them to be filled. And Jesus is still teaching that same message. It's like, I was being fulfilled. Well, what did you eat? Like, well, I didn't. This, sorry guys, this message isn't about what I ate. It's like I have food that you don't know about. I, I get filled up when I pour out into somebody you would have thought was completely and totally insignificant. You know? Imagine that being present like that, a lesson in being present. She's on her job. She's, she's getting water. And just how much did it pay off? If she's, if, woman, give me something to drink. How do you say da 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 da? She even in, at least engaged him. What if she would have been like, I'm out, and just rolled off for the rest of her day? We wouldn't have the story. You know what I mean? But how much of it for us as Christians, we're looking for the, for the future ministerial connections or you know, whatever it is, when I'm, when I'm fully here, when my heart's better. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like her, she was in a complete mess 
getting some water from a well, but took the time in her day to pour into somebody else, to give water for somebody else, to engage somebody else in her day. So his disciples are off doing the same thing. We're going off getting food for ourselves. And he's like, well, I, I took time in this moment, in this sphere of, of the well, Jacob's well, to actually pour into this lady. And it's about to explode in a way you boys don't know. He didn't say it's not about to explode in a way you boys don't know, but that's my uh, you know, type of thing there. But my food is dual. And then he says, do not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they're already white for harvest. And this is a message for the day right there. I, in, my, in my Bible, I have the word present. It's like, don't say, oh, the harvest is coming at the end of the age, you know, oh, revival, let's have a stadium revival, blah, 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 you know. It's like all the things we, we peddle and sell, but it's like, hey, don't say that it's in the future, the fields are white right now in your everyday life. On my lunch break, I was talking to somebody you would, you would deem as worthless a dog and unworthy or insignificant of even my time, you know. But the field is, is white, I sow seeds into her, and guess what's going to happen? It's this message that she was getting, that he was giving, that all the disciples were giving, like, hey, like, don't put it off. Well, when I'm more whole, it's like every single one of us has the seeds of the kingdom of heaven within us, the kindness, the fruit of his spirit, the joy, the peace, the counsel, the ability to give to someone in need. You know what I'm saying? To sow life and heaven into a situation, if we're present and mindful in our day, we will see, we will see people like this all the time. And instead of moving through life ministry-minded of who's going to be my next connection to give me more views and to give me more followers and then I can work at a church and then I can do a concert or, you know, I don't know what it is, business. Or, you know, instead of looking for that, looking as those who are full and empowered and who's maybe completely and totally insignificant to the eyes of the world but might be a treasure that's hidden in plain sight. And by having this mindset, can become so much more filled in abundance. I have food, the food of heaven, because heaven is flowing from you like a river of living water. It, sure, it certainly is a different mentality than the ministerial mentality, but it's the biblical Christian ministerial mentality, you know? It's really cool. Many of the Samaritans of that city, John 4, 39, believed in him. Because of the word of the woman who testified. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And, and I like it's in parentheses. That's very interesting to look at that. Because none of this is written by accident. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Because the woman said, he told me all that I ever did. And it wasn't like, word of knowledge, power, power, power. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, was, it was like, Yo. He came after me knowing me. Like, no, he, know, he knew me. And he's done this for me. The acceptance and love of the Father manifested on the earth and splashed heaven into a city, a Samaritan city that wasn't even supposed to be, you know. So the, Mar the Samaritans, Samaritans urged him I said that three times. That's so strange. They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe 
not because of what you said, but for we ourselves have heard him and we know that he indeed is the Christ. That's it, man. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but your Father who's in heaven. In other words, like flesh and blood, like the words of the Lord through this woman's life caused people to engage him in a real way and his reality became their reality. It wasn't, I'll take her word, I'll take old Tina's word for it. You know what I'm saying? Well, the preacher man always says, my grandma always used to tell me, my parents raised me in church and they taught me. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, no, 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 no. It's like real evangelism is not sign on the line and so you don't go to hell when you die. You know, all this. It, real evangelism is happened by people who are made whole. And they're walking with that wholeness and that value and that love. Because why are we looking for, why are people looking for something to be fulfilled that's not being fulfilled? like her. She didn't know that God could fulfill it. She didn't know that he loved her and he valued her. Everything that came into her mind about God, which was spewed against Jesus, who is God, you know, was all the reasons God rejects her. He's like, actually, I don't reject you for any of those reasons. As a matter of fact, I know about these five other reasons too, and I don't reject you for them either. How do you like that? Now what? Now what disqualification of yourself do you have for me? And it's just like, well, I guess I don't have any more. So why are you, because I, so you actually love me, you value me, you're like, I'm a girl, man. I can't even be taken care of without a husband. What do you expect from me? Not these days. I mean, these, those days, I'm in Samaria. See, I'm back in time right now in my mind, you know what I mean? <laughs> Girls can have jobs and stuff. My wife owns a salon and runs the off and has kids. So, but, uh, you know, it's like, that was a little plug for you on Mother's Day. So I came out. <laughs> came out quick but you do a lot people don't know that this is a boss lady man um um and she counsels me through my issues no i'm just kidding <laughs> no um but it's like all these all these things all these all these misconceptions of god came out so much right when she was around god oh i'm getting away from god i think i'm falling i think i'm i'm backsliding it's like no you're probably just getting close and it's getting real yeah, that's how this thing works man he gets close the fireman gets close and the fire comes into your house a little bit and you're like ah those are my Louis Vuitton bags you know what I mean it's like no man we don't carry baggage in this house we're getting rid of that you know the, but anyhow it's this beautiful story man of Fotina and, and, and the thing about this I've, I've done John 4 for 12 years it's one of the first uh, passages of scripture that opened up to me seeing the possession of Jesus seeing, seeing that, that third person of what it looks like for somebody if you knew who he was you know, like a third person steps into the room and starts talking between these two people, you know, who was sitting here, you would have given him a drink, you know, and you see the spirit of God and you see what it looks like. Jesus is demonstrating for us what it looks like. Now, we don't have to speak in the third person. I mean, you can if you just like being strange, but um, but but you see what it is to be led of God and not sitting there alone on his lunch break. He's sitting there with, with the, you know, the spirit of God within us. He's demonstrating the son of man calls himself that. It's funny, but it's like he's demonstrating what it looks like for us as people with the indwelling of God to never be alone and to walk around releasing life everywhere we go. You know? And a city with racial beef against the Jews has this, this actual revival and there's like, he stays there for multiple days because of it. And masses of people believed. And it's not just because of what she said, but because what she was what she experienced caused them to be drawn to him. And that's the true teaching gift. That's true anointing right there. True anointing in our life 
makes disciples. It's just what it does. And um, it's not um, all the true anointings. And, and we want to talk about apost apostolic, you know, prophet, evangelist, all these different things. They don't draw people to yourself. If they do, something is, is off, you know what I'm saying? Um, but what, we, what they really do is they inspire people to be drawn to him. And they dismantle the misconceptions of who he is in others. And those misconceptions are the reason people are hesitant in connecting to him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, people are afraid. Some people, are, you know, to like literally take a journal in their Bible and just read, read a chapter or half a chapter or a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And then pray to the Lord and just write down some notes of what he feels. You know, they, you know, some people are, people don't realize how simple and fast the voice of the Lord will come to them and overtake their life. Because they're, but they're also afraid. He's going to control me. He's going to make me do things I don't want to do. He's going to make me be strange. And you know what I'm saying? But like he'll, he'll address the issues of the heart and lead you into truth and wholeness in your actual vessel and cause you to succeed in life. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's amazing, dude. It's like, golly, we made him such a monster, you know? And the people that portray him, they portray him as such a weird freak of a god and a monster so of course people don't want nothing to do with them but just like Fatini you know we can spew all that stuff into him but as long as it's to him or relationship to him he will work it out because he's altogether good. Yeah, it's good he will never show himself anything but good kind full of love and joy and peace he's, he's always patient never not patient kindness these are the fruit of his spirit that means the evidence of his voice anything other than these things it's not him and you can discredit those things and discount them <laughs> so, it's so fun it's just so it's so practical you know when you think about these things but you know they have to be taught very very thoroughly because of the the fruit of the fall and the fruit of just the way it's been taught in the world so you know god is very good happy mother's day um happy mother's day fotini you a bad girl Give her a high five for us. Lord, if that's cool, I'm sure it probably is. You know. Um, points. It's Mother's Day, so I don't really want to make many points. I'll just say, imagine if we went about our day with our eyes off of ourselves. You know. Imagine if we walked about our day. Remember, I think I did mention a goal for us as a, of a house, as the Hoff, as a leadership. The way we want people to function is for people to know the Lord in a real way, accurate way, spirit and truth, you know. And walk this life as people who are whole and walking in wholeness. Hmm. Who, are, who are, are constantly giving and releasing. And by giving and releasing, becoming full and growing making disciples not by telling people you're gonna go to the hell if you don't join the, you know all these things man you know but living in wholeness bearing spiritual fruit and people wanting what we have you know and that's christianity and that's that's what we're called to be and that was fotini's lesson and um and yeah now she's famous and incredible and she's our, she's like our, our, she's a mother of this, uh, of the faith and its incenses. Well, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your, your word being true, your spirit being alive and within us, inside of every single one here. 
your voice leading us into truth, never contradicting the Bible or scriptures, but growing us to be the lights in the world, a city that's set up on a hill. Help us to have this mentality of being present, of looking in the here and now at the power you would have us release, even when it seems at times to be insignificant. And let us transform this city and region and redeem the muddied name of prophetic ministry. That's personal. Amen.